Today on the Friday Fix. I think she has become identified with Scottish independence. She was the poster child, an independent thinker, a a clear voice, a very articulate advocate for that cause and led with integrity questions that were raised of previous leaders didn't really trouble her door. Welcome to Powers Court's Friday Fix, our weekly podcast delving into an important issue of the day. I'm Mark Leftley, Head of Public Affairs at Powers Court. I'm also a former journalist, a former political journalist, uh, primarily at The Independent on Sunday. I'm delighted to be joined by Stephen O'Brien from our Dublin office. Stephen is also a political hack by background, albeit far more prestigious than me. He was the Ireland political editor of The Sunday Times for many years. We're here to talk about Nicola Sturgeon's resignation as First Minister of Scotland this week. Stephen, were you as surprised as the rest of us that she stood down? Absolutely. Um, I mean, Nicola Sturgeon, she's unusual in that, you know, as a leader of the Scottish Parliament and as a leader of um, uh, the largest majority party in Scotland, her brand is known far and wide, uh, which is not something that you know a lot of her predecessors would have enjoyed. I mean, Alex Salmond was, was kind of known outside of Britain, but not to the extent that Sturgeon is. She's very much seen as the face of Scottish independence or the Scottish independence campaign. She certainly surprised me, but I think she's clearly surprised huge number of Scots folk who didn't see this coming, although there have been some wobbles recently in the polls and her uh, support for her position on a number of issues has been uh, dipping. It's still a bolt from the blue. It's interesting you mentioned about her brand. I, I remember when I was at the Indy being told by one of her officials that they were getting letters from Devon and Cornwall saying that they would like her to have stood down there. Now, obviously, they were trying to spin to me, but I think it was fundamentally true. She actually had quite a lot of people who admired her for um, a stance on things, probably in a way that Alex Salmon probably didn't enjoy. I mean, you mentioned him. He was far more a prototype populist leader, whereas Sturgeon was seen as maybe a bit more measured, I think. Yeah, and I think probably Sturgeon also benefited from, I mean, she was the Scottish leader during the pandemic, and a lot of Western prime ministers saw their uh, ratings rise. Uh, Some dipped as quick, they didn't enjoy uh, too much of a lift. But I think Sturgeon was seen as sort of empathetic, but also a steady hand on the tiller. She communicated regularly with the people of Scotland. She let them know, this is what we're doing now, this is what's likely to happen. And I think there was just a, a widespread sense of reassurance that she brought at a very difficult time for the whole world. So that certainly will be on the positive side of her ledger when they look back at her political career. Again, I guess her advocacy for independence travelled far beyond Scotland, not least because she, if you recall, she talked up the prospect of European Union membership as a way of keeping Scotland connected to the world if it, if it did eventually leave Britain. And I suppose that raised her profile. I mean, the, uh, Spain, for example, was quite alarmed by the prospect of Scottish membership of the European Union because they have their own independence issues in, in Spain. So that brand travelled certainly across the European Union and, and far beyond uh, Great Britain. It's interesting you mentioning um, some of the issues that she faced, and we can come on to that in a second. I was looking at a few of the Scottish Council by-election results, which is very unexciting stuff on the whole, but it can be quite telling in terms of predicting what's going to happen in an area. I'm just looking at picking a couple of at random. There was a place called Lynn and one called Broxburn. SNP either fell or broadly were flat, but Labour were gaining quite considerably, 11%, 10%. I thought it was quite interesting that uh, Douglas Alexander, a three-time former cabinet member under the last Labour government, was making a political comeback in Scotland. It shows that Labour were already quite excited about their prospects in Scotland. This is surely going to be an even bigger boost for them now. 
It certainly will, yeah, because um, I think the SNP has been taken by surprise itself and will take some time to regroup. And it has some difficult questions to ask itself. You know, Sturgeon was criticised by some internally in the SNP for appearing to uh, make the independence the central issue at the next election, the next Scottish Parliament elections. And there was, uh, you know, a lot of people wondered, is that is that wise when people are looking, you know, we're in the middle of a cost of living crisis, people are worried about the next meal, the next bill coming through the door. Perhaps that's not the time that uh, Scottish independence is foremost in their minds. So not only will the SNP have to cast around for a new leader, you know, do they go for someone young, a leader for a new generation, or do they go for an old stager, a veteran, a sort of a steady pair of hands on the tiller as a kind of a stopgap for a few years, because they, they not only do they they have to choose a new leader. They have to decide what is their pitch to the Scottish electorate at the next election with Labour in the ascendant again. I suppose you're talking about two of the more obvious candidates there, the sort of younger person in Kate Forbes, who's the finance secretary, appears to have marvellous uh, polling ratings, and the constitution minister, Angus Robertson. But Angus is a very interesting guy. He was the leader in Westminster for many years, very surprisingly lost his seat in 2017, has rebuilt his career. He's slightly older, about 53, and I think she's 32. Angus was... In Westminster, when I was there, he was forensic. He knew defence. He knew a different area. He had a bit of a hinterland beyond the independence debate. He was also born in Wimbledon, which is something that apparently Alex Salmond has commented upon in the past, the former leader. The other guy who interests me quite a lot is Neil Gray, another former Westminster MP, who is uh, who's now out there as a minister in Scotland. Again, he had a bit of a hinterland. He was fascinated by the restoration of Parliament, the rebuild and things like that. And he was interested because of the way... He spoke to journalists and he's got a lovely backstory, having been a former, I think, 400 metre international runner for Scotland. Again, a bit difficult because he's got a young family like Kate Forbes. Those two, Kate Forbes and Neil Gray with their young families, do you think they'll be put off by what seems to be the pressures of the job? Because that's certainly what Nicola Sturgeon seemed to suggest, that after eight years, it's time for someone new, which is quite refreshing, actually. Yeah, there was a, there was a line um, in Nicola Sturgeon's, uh, you know, the, 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 her address yesterday when she was explaining uh, her reasons for her departure. And there was one stage she said, there is much greater intensity, nay, brutality, to life as a politician uh, than in years gone by. And we've seen brutal uh, and indeed lethal attacks on MPs in, in Britain in recent years. And and we've seen this in other uh, jurisdictions. We've seen attacks on, on political figures in, in, in America, for example. And then there's the, the on social media is just so much of what they have to put up it is, is just horrific and if they're female there's a, a you know an added layer of of you know sexual harassment on top of the other kind of bullying and name calling and you know invective that, that they have to endure it is a changed environment uh, it is it is a, a an awful lot to deal with and some people can deal with it better than others uh, but it's certainly going to be a calculation that younger candidates are going to make again with young families who have to see all of this perhaps an older candidate maybe will brush it off that bit easier or maybe probably doesn't possibly don't engage as much with social media as some of the younger politicians so um yeah it's certainly a factor and it was it was clearly a factor in Nicola Sturgeon's calculation of, as to whether she uh, wanted to hang around for another year three years five years well there's a lot of doubt as to how long it's going to take to even get a Scottish referendum back on the ballot paper and you know at the end of the day her calculation might have been uh, um, I'm not going to put up with this for the time I now think it will take to get to that jumping off point again. 
And we should point out she's been incredibly resolute, actually. You know, the longest serving First Minister of Scotland, obviously, it's only a short history. But, you know, she's seen now five Conservative Prime Ministers. She's got this wonderful bet with Douglas Ross, the leader of the Conservatives. £100 bet he better that he would outlast her in Scotland. That's the only bet I think she'll have lost on anything uh, along those lines. What do you think about the future of the party? There's a lot of talk now that the party could split. We've already got uh, Alex Salmon's Alba party. Not done particularly well, but it is a presence. We've got disagreements with the SNP. One of the issues you were referring to was obviously the Gender Recognition Act that's been opposed by Westminster but passed in Holyrood and has been split the party quite badly at times. Do you think that independence will need different voices or it needs to stick with a unified voice? Well, I think all, uh, a lot of the lar- a lot of large political organisations have to uh, deal with the internal schisms every now and again. But I do think that the, the Scottish National Party, it does what it says in the tin. It's kind of a very clear brand and it's clearly identified with, with the independence movement. If it ever got independence beyond that, it might have to offer something else to the voters. No, I think I think the Scottish National Party is here to stay. Its appeal to the voters may ebb and flow. You know, the most recent issue that, that was uh, coloured, if you like, the some of the negative poll findings that uh, Nicola Sturgeon endured in recent months, the, the issue of transgender laws and, and laws governing gender recognition. I mean, that's an issue that that every Western democracy is dealing with at the moment. If your raison d'etre as a party, if your central offering uh, is on an entirely different question, it's clearly what the, the Scottish National Party is. Sometimes they, they, you, you find that there are huge array of views within your party then. Kate Forbes, I mean, Kate is a member of the Free Church of Scotland, which is opposed to gay marriage, and she has restrictive views on, on abortion, whereas other members of the SNP would have far more liberal views on, on, on those and other issues. It's it's a broad church in that sense, and it's difficult to manage those issues. While it might be easy, they may, may all um, be very united on the independence question, other you know issues of economics and issues of liberal thinking uh, can be far more difficult for a party like that to manage. Yeah, it's astonishing actually they've managed to keep it together for so long. And um, certainly in Westminster, they've been such a remarkably united group since they gained all those seats in 2015. I think just one last word, if you had to sum up Sturgeon's legacy in a sentence, what would that be? I think she has become identified with Scottish independence. She was the poster child for Scottish independence, if you like. She was an independent thinker, a a clear voice, a, a very articulate advocate for that cause led selflessly and led with integrity, which was, um, you know, the the questions that were raised of um, previous leaders didn't really trouble her door. She will look good in the rearview mirror when historians are uh, assessing her contribution. Uh, And not least, as I said, her leadership during the pandemic was uh, a a source of great reassurance to the people of Scotland. And I think that will stand to her in uh, the longer term. Now, I reckon that was longer than a sentence, but it's a good note on which to finish. And I want to thank you for joining us from uh, Dublin today. I know you're very busy today. And thank you to our regular audience for listening to us again. Thank you, Mark.